This is Daizen X, the podcast, episode 255 for the week of April 17th, 2011. Welcome to Daizen X, the podcast and extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daizenshu EX. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. I am the world's worst podcast host. My name is Mike Vegito EX. I hail to you from Daizenshu EX and joining me, the most understanding person in the entire world, Heath Hujio from Konsentai. Welcome. Hey, when you're having fun, you gotta do it twice. Ugh, man. I'm so sorry. I feel like we've done this. <laughs> it's total deja vu here. Yeah, um, Mr. Mike did not press record the first time through basically the entire show. So here we are at the top of the show again. Woohoo! Second time around. So if we suck, this is totally on us. Yes, yes, it's all our fault. But mostly on you. Ugh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So um, luckily, I say luckily, the topic has already been recorded. It's an entirely separate conversation that's already edited on my computer, ready to go anyway. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Heath, you and I Again, what we're going to do is cover what little news there is, and uh, we're going to focus the majority of our time answering a couple emails from around the world. Before we jump into our topic, real briefly, again, we'll talk about uh, you're on, people can probably hear, an updated microphone setup. So much faster than we did before, because, oh God, I'm so sorry. What are you on right now? Okay, so I have my old headset that I'm using just as a headset now with the microphone up, but now I am rocking an MXL 990 USB interface microphone, bitches, and it has a pop screen, I've got my stand, and it was all donated by some really, really awesome people. So big shout out to Lemmy and Ryan. Thank you guys. You rock. Yeah, we've been joking about this for so long. It's just, oh, it'd be great. You can get some better quality stuff. And hey, I'll bring you on the show more often. And this is honestly what I want to do because we strive for so much uh, quality and appearance. I feel like we kind of have to prove ourselves in a way because, oh, it's just a Dragon Ball podcast. How could that ever possibly be interesting and authoritative? Well, part of that is the production values that I try try to bring to it in a way. Um, I recently just tossed up this big third version of what is all the equipment that I have? How do I put this all together? And Heath, we tossed a picture of your stuff in there as well, description, how this all came to be. So people can check that out. It's great to have you with us here. Uh, and of course, on new mic equipment. That's so good. Woohoo! Yeah, I am loving it. This thing is gorgeous. Very, very nice. All right, let's pull it back to uh, website content, new Dragon Ball things that people can check out. I mentioned last time on the show that I would have the review of the Legend of Cyan figures up. That just didn't happen. One of those work weeks where you go home home and you're not actually done working. Welcome to being an adult. So that didn't quite happen. I hope to have it up this week. Heath, uh, on your side though, over on Konzentai, you've got some new guidebook stuff up. Yeah, I uh, put up a new game guide in the data book guide section that we have. Um, Huge props to our buddy SSJ Rambo for sending this to me 10 months ago. And for me, 10 months later for actually using it. It was awesome. I just got an email. Hey, dude, I did all this. I think you can use it. 
and hell yeah, I can use it. So it's up now. Go check it out. Uh, we cover basically any guide that has ever come out for any Dragon Ball related game. It may not be the coolest thing you'll ever read, but for having a complete comprehensive documentation of what actually was released, because a lot of these came out in the early 80s through the 90s, and then you can see the gap where it jumps into the 2000s with the revival. So it's, it's pretty cool. And it's updated all the way to today. So we have Dragon Ball Heroes and we have Ultimate Butoden. Very nice. So I know we were talking about the first time that we recorded the show was that Daizenshu 7 kind of trails off. And then after that point, we really don't have information in an official source, official guidebook, what came out in 2002. Yeah, there, when Daizenshu 7 came out, there were only 10 guides that had been released. Um, it goes up through the Bible that covers Hyper Dimension and sense. Final Bout yeah. and all that. But of the 10, they only list 8 in Daizenshu 7. So we just decided, hey, we're going to cover them all. You know, it's so out of date anyway. So a, just tracking down so much of the information was a chore in itself. So again, thanks to SSJ Rambo for helping me out with that. Awesome. Awesome stuff. All right. So that's uh, website content. Let's turn it over to what little news there is. The only news we have for you hails to us from Spain. Let's see, Jochi Preziosi. I think I said that even better than I did the first time around, right? I think the first time was awesome. Thank you. I I appreciate your uh, compliments here. They've got some licensed merchandise by way of Toei coming to Spain and Andorra. We've got plushies, scooters, surprise bags, figures for phone straps, confectionery, and back to school. Uh, We have no idea what comes in the surprise bag or what is back to school but in the ladders surprise probably lunch boxes and backpacks and pads and pencils and all that cool stuff that you'll use and throw away that's right unless you're mike and you keep your lunchbox um i don't know that i have mine but i'm pretty sure i saw mary's gem lunchbox Ooh. yeah yeah just saying so heath uh that's the news this past week right yeah i think so because kai's over so now we have nothing hooray i love it we were talking Woo. about this before it's well news slows down that gives us a chance to focus on the content which is why we're all here in the first place anyway so wonderful of course we gotta go back to the old standby you know actually doing stuff that's right so we're gonna turn it over to our topic for this week joining me because heath you're gonna go away for a little bit mary's yep, gonna, I'm gonna join leave. me scott melzer in Rich Jarrett from Nande Films are going to pop over and they're going to talk to us a little bit about Fanboy Soze. It is their new, their third fan parody and it is a Dragon Ball fan parody through and through despite not being a Dragon Ball fan parody in the way that you might think it is. So uh, here we go. Learn all about it. I am so psyched for you guys to hear this. Joining us to talk about a new fan parody, which, believe it or not, is entirely based around Dragon Ball, though it may not appear so on the surface, it very much is. We have Mr. Scott and Mr. Rich. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Mr. Mike. Awesome. And still here. I say still, we haven't done the rest of the show yet, so I don't know if you are actually still here or just now joining us. Mary. Hiya. Hi. I don't get to be Miss Mary. You can be Miss Mary. All right. Sweet. Scott, Rich, 
So glad to have you here to talk about Fanboy Soze, your third fan parody, which is indeed all about Dragon Ball. Oh, yeah. Very glad to be here. Uh, first, we'll say who we are. Yes. And a little please. bit about what we've done in the past. Scott, you've done music videos and now fan parodies. You've you've done so many things. As far as fandom goes, yes, I was a music video creator from 1994. My last video was sometime around 2003. I always intend to go back and do more. I'm certainly not retired. At 2001, we decided, let's start branching out and doing something a little crazier, a little more challenging. And we created our first fan parody, This Is Otakudom. Then in 2005, we did our second fan parody, Steam the Movie. And now today in 2011, almost on schedule, <laughs> we have our third film, which is it was just finished on April 3rd. I'm very glad to say we're going to start touring it around to different conventions and getting it out there as soon as we can. That's right. You're on the first stop of the tour right here. This is the first stop of the promotional tour. Brad Pitt couldn't be here. Uh, you know, all those other guys couldn't be here, but it's we're fine. here instead. Well, good to have you here, Scott. Thank you. Let's turn it over to Rich. Dragon Ball fan, writer extraordinaire here. Yes, I've been a Dragon Ball fan for a long time now. Uh, I think and it's... Not only that, but you are the winner of our Raging Blast contest from, was that, a year and a <laughs> half ago? Yeah. I both congratulate you and apologize at the same time for the first game. <laughs> It was, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed it. Good, good. And uh, I was uh, just, I enjoyed winning. That was, uh, <laughs> that was, it was uh, great. great. Uh, we didn't have to send a package to Australia. Yeah, no shipping costs. <laughs> Love that part. But uh, yeah, I, I've worked on uh, Steam. I came in like halfway. The project was about three years long, I believe. And uh, I worked on it for a year and a half, doing a lot of the uh, writing, specifically did some stuff for the ending and... And uh, did some bit parts for voice acting. But this newest fan parody, Scott and I worked uh, tirelessly where we created this uh, fan parody from the ground up completely. Now, Scott, was that different? I mean, we've seen the casts. I don't know how to phrase it. We've seen the cast dwindle over the years. So it feels like just two main writers. Is that how it's always been? They're, they're, our popularity is not waning. They're just becoming more selective. Okay, mm -hmm. sure. Basically, what happened is 10 years ago, I owned an anime slash comic slash game store, i.e. otaku walked in and out in the right. hundreds of right. my life. Uh, Steam still worked there. Mm -hmm. Now I have a very different job. I wear a suit for me to even tell people that I'm into anime or that I'm into <laughs> Dragon Ball might be suicide, especially where FINRA and the FCC are concerned. So um, yeah, I'm not around as many people. However, in promoting and uh, creating these things, touring around, seeing a lot of other conventions, Conventions, I did get a lot more friends from around the country. Gotcha. So while a lot of the people that are close have moved on because mm -hmm. of the time, and 10 years sure, is a long 10 time. 10 years. Oh, my God. Right. I mean, there are people who I knew when they were underage that are now married. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, so that's that. That's a big, big, big gap of time. But I have been able to make connections with people from across, across the country uh, I was directing somebody over Skype a couple of months ago where that just didn't exist back then. <laughs> I know, isn't that crazy? I mean, that stuff's amazing. Well, I guess we'll get into who some of these guests are and who you've been able to pull in, mm -hmm. even from the Dragon Ball fandom, which is really where we're heading. So let's talk about the new fan parody itself, Fanboy Soze. 
you did Otakudom, you did Steam. Where did the desire to do a third one come from? Because they are massive undertakings. Yeah, uh, I used to think that doing music videos was a massive undertaking because it took me two months where it took everybody else a weekend. Right. Yeah, that just exponentially went up. So our, <laughs> our yeah, Otakudom took seven months. Steam took two years and 11 months. And this one is right in the middle at one year and five months. Gotcha. Yeah, one, one year and five months. But the funny thing is the reason to make them has always been exactly the same. It, you know, the, it's just the, the inspiration has always been exactly the same. And that's the same thing that drives my motivation for anything in this world. As much as this is going to make me sound like a hippie 40 years out of his time, I believe in making the world around you a better place. No matter what you're doing, you should be making something a better place. Otakudom was made to bring people together, to get all these different people to essentially work together on a project that they could be proud of and to make friends. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear that. I mean, you've yeah. I know you've heard me say this on the show, how much I love doing this stuff because mm-hmm. I've met... So many great, I mean, Heath is my bro dog. I love, <laughs> absolutely love that we've been able to come together and do that Heath kind Geo? of stuff. Heath Geo, indeed. <laughs> so you've got it going from a different perspective there. It's not just mm-hmm. Dragon Ball, it's the otaku culture in general. Bring everyone together, smile, produce some cool stuff. Exactly. And the, the same thing, the same reason that I did the music video, This Is Your Life, uh, years ago was... I think Dragon Ball is a fantastic show. It's a wonderful show. I, I really enjoy it. And what I wanted to do was to to show, now there's more to this than what you've seen. The AMV yeah. crowd that saw those music videos back then, you know, the one episode done in an hour and a half types of things had a really, really bad impression of what Dragon Ball was. So I wanted to say, now this is a really good thing. If I do something quality with it, I might get people to take a second look at it. Mm-hmm. And that's because I used to think it was terrible. Right, right. And until I found different. And then I said, hey, you got to check this out. It's not what you think. Well, that's the same thing that I feel about fandom in general, not about any particular show. Mm-hmm. And there are fans who snip at each other. There are different groups who hate other groups and all of that. So I made Otakudom as a love letter to fandom to say, well, we're all fans and we should in- enjoy that. There's always something to connect over. At exactly. some deep level somewhere. And if you get to the credits in Fanboy Soze, you'll see the closing credits is another essentially love letter to fandom. Well, let's start at the beginning of Fanboy Soze. I'll turn it over to you, Rich, because I know the idea sort of came from you and products and learnings. Where did this all come from? Because the oh, par- dear God, <laughs> the parody is Dragon Ball, but it's not Dragon Ball. So what does that mean? Well, one day I called Scott up and I was like, oh, I got these uh, orange bricks box sets. Uh-oh. And uh, Scott's like, well, you should watch Daisenji X. So he have referred me the episodes that I should watch. And uh, it turned out that there is all the cropping and color saturations. And mm-hmm. But 5% <laughs> extra footage on the sides. <laughs> and 20% loss. <laughs> Crazy cleanup filters. Yeah, and, yeah. And I just felt at the time I uh, was a little bit disappointed because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Funimation. I spend a lot of money to them. And, at the, and it started from this place 
place of, okay, we came to uh, the point where we just wanted to uh, show and talk about all the different uh, edits of Dragon Ball. Mm -hmm. Because Dragon Ball has been edited from Lion Gate to Pioneer to Funimation. Over the years, he's gone through so many (laughs) different people, so many different incarnations. So many different versions. And the thing that was scary about seeing the orange brick box sets is I couldn't tell that it was edited because I've seen so many edits of different versions of Dragon Ball. So it's almost (laughs) as if you've never seen, well, what is Dragon Ball in its purest form? I've seen this version over here, this version over here. What the hell is it supposed to be? Yeah, and so really it was about a story of saying, I'm a fan. I want to see Dragon Ball the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> the way it was meant to be seen, of course. <laughs> and so, so you just turned Funimation's phrase around on themselves. I love it. But to add into that, Rich, you'd also only ever seen it dubbed. I recently, when the Dragon Box have been uh, released, Yay! <laughs> I've been watching it subtitles and I've been really blown away by it. It's a different story, different acting. I, I really, I've I fallen in love with the series all over again. Yeah, yeah. And We uh, hear that so often. Yeah, Rich calls me up. Did you hear the guy who did Vegeta? Oh my God, he is so sexy. He's amazing. <laughs> that guy's incredible. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to the full. Forbatum. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> all right, so we've got this disappointment, almost deceived feeling from a product turning it around to just wanting to experience what is Dragon Ball pure form I want to just show my love for it in a creative way yes the uh, Dragon Ball uh, it, it was it was very fascinating to be a fan and see it really uncut see it the way it's supposed to be and I really I appreciate I think the uh, English dub actors they do a great job I uh, there's nothing wrong in what they're doing I I've loved their uh, voice acting for so long but the voice actors of like Goku is it's a different character from mm. the American Goku to the Japanese Goku and uh, it's just it's really it's an amazing to see it uncut in that way so how did this turn into an idea for a fan parody uh, well Scott kept calling he called me up be like all right let's come up with uh, different ideas let's uh, try to figure this out and, so you've got uh, these two things going on at the same time you've got this rediscovery of Dragon Ball and Scott's constant pestering <laughs> for a fan parody idea. So it, it sounds like it's almost like uh, uh, oh, Dragon Ball, go. Well, sort of. What I really wanted to do was get back into doing another film. It was 2005 is when we finished Steam. It took about a year to come out with the two DVDs for the for the two films. Yeah, yeah. You know, with like all the extras and stuff we packed into them. It took a long time. So, you know, you burn out. You want to take a little bit of a break. And I just started a new career, and I was spending pretty much 80, 90, or 100 hours a week on that career. And I got to the point where I said, you know what? I need to start doing something that's fun. I want to start going back to conventions I want to start doing some more of the creative side, which I don't get to use very much in, in my daily life. Right. You know what? Now would be a great time to do another film. Gotcha. So for about a year, we talked about a variety of different ideas. I remember at first you wanted to do something that was just 20 minutes or maybe just do yep. an episode of something. And we yep. had batted around a bunch of different genre ideas. A ton of them. We had a space opera. We had a musical that we wanted to do and a whole bunch of stuff. And the lovely thing is, is when you've moved away from those things, those ideas are still there. Yeah, we yeah. can always go back. It's like a music video idea. Oh god, mm-hmm. I've got my playlist of AMV ideas that's <laughs> yep. been the same for seven. 
seven years. So now, do I. Maybe? It's in my iPod. Yeah. Like all the yeah. songs I, I I liked. Well, that was there was no difference here. And we started with uh, a whole bunch of different. We're upset about this, but if you know anything about the way that we make films. It's you can take something that you're angry and frustrated about, but you've got to turn it into something funny because it's not fun to listen to someone just be on a soapbox and complain. So when we started with the idea of, hey, I'm angry about these orange box sets, like, you know what? That makes a flame post that does not make a humorous script that people will want to sit down and watch. So what can we do with it? And it slowly morphed into, let's not make fun of a specific product from a specific company. That's going to sound like a complaining, whining fanboy. Mm -hmm. But let's take a look at all the stuff over the years. Warriors of the Wind, Robotech, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, Warriors of the Wind made Miyazaki so angry. He said, I'm never releasing this stuff in the United States. And we did not. so long. That we did not see any Miyazaki films released because of how badly they screwed up Japan's relationship. So we spoof that in our movie by saying where one of the characters is saying that "Ah, Japan refuses to sell us any more shows. Well, that is a specific reference to Warriors of the Wind. Gotcha, gotcha. So it wasn't just one thing in one product. That was the catalyst to... Let's start seeing. It's like the five-second idea you have for an AMV, mm-hmm. and then say, is there enough to fill the whole three and a half minutes? Right, right. Is there enough here that we can say something funny and with enough variety? Because you can't tell the same joke over and over and over again. It needs to constantly change. So while we started with that, we decided to use Dragon Ball as our focus because, well, first off, I was listening to the Daisenshu EX podcast, like, every week so it was on my mind gotcha you know when you have something stuck in your mind that's naturally gonna (laughs) gonna come up i don't miss an episode (laughs) (laughs) so that was a part of it that i was i was around it but also i felt that it was very misunderstood i felt that a lot of people should be exposed to it so maybe people will not get into it if they have an episode showing but if they're fan parody fans they might come to our movie they might see some of this stuff you know get it in their minds Mm -hmm. it's a way to essentially cross promote or cross network since i love the show and i do have a soapbox you know people are going to show our films right why not use this to promote something that i love and something that i feel deserves it let's pull it back to the actual story of the new parody fanboy soze you told me a little bit there someone says oh we're not getting any new anime from japan what is the story without giving too much away because it's a kind of fan parody that's also a fan drama at the same time in in a way oh very much you want to take this one you want me to I'll take it. Well, it's a story about group of fan- group of fans who uh, see this butchering of anime, which is Dragon Ball Z, because they are Dragon Ball fans just like us, mm-hmm. and uh, they decided, well, we have to do something, and trying to figure out what that something is. <laughs> something it, I have personally struggled with myself for years. What do I do? And it's uh, it's really showing the I guess fans rising up, but at the same time seeing within the corporations, or I guess capitalism mm-hmm. of, uh, of anime. So you've got the two sides there. You've got the, what are the anime fans doing? Because they, they've just got it in their gut that they want to support this thing that they love. But you're also spoofing the, the megatainment side of things for, 
it's almost this cliche, overly evil, knowingly evil company doing it to maximize profits to secure a personal jet. It's just that it goes to that extreme, I think, pulls it back around to being clever and poking fun rather than just being mean about it. We wanted to take something that was very much the, the big epic grandiose structure but have it be about something so unimportant and petty yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, that it was it was like that. So we mixed, let's see, The Usual Suspects, mm-hmm. which is where, you know, Fanboy Soze is a reference to Kaiser Soze, of course. And the whole idea that he's some sort of mysterious criminal overlord that everyone's terrified of. We took right. that idea. Uh, the overall plot is kind of taken from fanboys. Right. And in, right. in, in a way. Which you actually mentioned in the parody itself. Too. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have the idea that if you don't do that, then everyone's going to accuse you of stealing. <laughs> right. If you come flat out and acknowledge where you got <laughs> things from, then it might go over as homage. Right, right. <laughs> There's also a lot of other stuff in there, but we really don't want to blow a, a whole bunch of the the surprises and, and spoilers and plots of some of the other things that we took it from. But it was the idea that let's take something that maybe we think is kind of important, blow it up to James Bond villain taking over the world size, just to just to kind of spoof it. Mm-hmm. It's not just that we're making fun of the industry, but I think the fans and what they do and the crazy stuff and the things they believe, that is spoofed even more. Yeah, yeah. We make tell, fun of everybody. Tell me about that. You've always got some kind of commentary on fandom and just the state of affairs, but it's not necessarily right this second what is going on. It's always this larger stretch of time that you're covering. The parody starts with Dragon Ball starts. In fact, it hasn't even started. You're getting all the the songs from prior releases, Dragon Ball starts, and it just continues up through the end of Dragon Ball. It's difficult to almost put it into question. Like, what are you saying with this long stretch of time? Well, we, we said it in the future, and, and some of the reason for that is that we wanted to have the feeling that anything that's going on right now, A, has cycled. Yeah, <laughs> because okay. a lot of the gags that we have there, if, if you if you really follow a lot of the stuff that I write, you'll figure out that I'm five or ten years behind the times. So in This is Otakudum, we were having arguments about uh, about sub tapes costing more than dub tapes. And I've had people come up to me and say, tapes? What are tapes? Right. <laughs> right. right. So we're talking about digital masking. As, as you know, when Dragon Ball first, before it was Z, when mm-hmm. Dragon Ball first came out, it was heavily modified on television because of the nudity. Right. But it was also things like when Goku sees a wad full of money, they painted dollars over it. Yeah. Like kids yeah. couldn't figure out that's money. No, I mean, I, I just found that stuff kind of kind of silly. So a lot of what we're spoofing is actually from a long time ago, but some of it's to not feel jaded we, or, or that we were stuck behind the times. We said it in the future. So gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, this stuff happened again. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Let me ask you, this is tangentially about Dragon Ball, but other than, I guess we'll say a commercial and some other stuff that happens here and there, there's not really Dragon Ball footage in the parody, as opposed to your prior one, Steam where Mr. Satan was basically a main character. He was the villain of the parody. So how was it working with a Dragon Ball story without Dragon Ball? Well, we used the Dragon Ball footage to create a different character, a different situation. We don't even talk about where it's from in Steam. That wasn't the point. 
I just liked the footage and I wanted to use it. In Fanboy Soze, it's about the Dragon Ball fandom. So it's like fanboys where they're talking about Star Wars, but you don't actually see any scenes from Star Wars in the film. Right. So it's about the experience of Dragon Ball. It's about people being fans of it and the depths, or as Rich said, the rises that they'll go to in order to protect it. It's interesting. Dragon Ball is a real thing in this fictional universe. Yes. Yes. Another thing that we wanted to do, and this is a part of uh, the commentary on the fandom, but also that we weren't just bitching and complaining, is we wanted to acknowledge that the Dragon Boxes did come out and that we were very, very happy. Right. So when the characters are trying to figure out what they want to do, they kind of tongue in cheek say, well, if we get the original masters and release them ourselves, that would be great. And Mm -hmm. then you see an image of the Dragon Box. Gotcha. So I did want to have that little nod in there that, yes, we know that this was done right and we're really, really happy. And as you've noticed that if this is about the fandom and about fans being upset and unhappy and, you know, no matter what happens, they're always going to be angry about something. We wanted to have in there. No, if we do get what we want, we will be very happy. And you've heard that on the show where it's basically... Oh, we got nothing to complain about products anymore. Uh, yeah, we won. We <laughs> won. Everybody go home. Done. Go celebrate. <laughs> Let's have a parade. We won. Thank you, Funimation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we, we've talked about Dragon Ball and how it's the inspiration for the story. Let's pull it back to, I guess, the creative side of things again. Was it different in the beginning? I mean, we know that Dragon Ball inspired it, but how did the parody of the story evolve over this year plus? Well, why don't you tell us, uh, Rich, why don't you tell us about your initial idea, Otaku Wars? Well, Otaku Wars, this was before we were adding the uh, Dragon Ball element to it. Okay. Was uh, we were going to do a a fan parody with uh, great teacher Onizuka and Akira. And uh, that got shot down very quickly because Scott was like, I don't want to do multiple animes. We want to stay with one. So you're trying to kill me, lad. Not only that, but probably multiple aspect ratios. Uh, you see, he didn't pick up on that. You immediately picked up on that. Don't even Absolutely. want to do it. Four by three, 16 by nine. No. The general idea of Otaku Wars, it was going to be f- sub fans versus dub fans and mm-hmm. uh, trying to give constructive arguments from both sides and having uh, flame wars between the two. Okay. And Hence uh, why we're using Akira, which is known for its happiness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where the, you know, the, the whole, the whole rioting scenes where they're screaming and yelling through the woods or through the streets and and there's fire everywhere and all of that yeah there was a lot of times where scott would call me up be like i hate you rich we're using a rakira there's uh laced footage and i don't like the sizing and everything's dark and there's no women (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that was a really really stupid piece of irony and that we had a lot of women that i'd met over the the course of the last couple years said i would love to be in your next film i really want to be in your next film so finally, I started writing out to everybody, hey, we're starting our new film. Uh, I, I, I need people to help write. I need people to find footage. I need people to do all of this stuff. And everyone, yeah, this is great. This is great. And then about 10 minutes into that, oh, my God, there are no female characters in Akira except for one woman one. who looks like a man. Right. <laughs> 
So how did it evolve out of a sub-dub comedic flame war into something more focused? We just were, we kept evolving it. Uh, it started with as, uh, it took away the great, uh, great teacher Onizuka aspect to it. Okay. Then we said, all right, Kanada is going to be an anime fan. He's okay. going to be a dub, specifically Dragon Ball Z fan. And I, I was kind of saying it, taking all aspects of me being a uh, dub fan at the time, try to say, all right, these are the elements that I did like. Mm-hmm. Rich was going to play our Kanida character. Gotcha. And uh, I wanted the female role to be a sub fan and kind of be like, oh, this guy's an idiot. There, <laughs> he's like, of, uh, how how can I possibly hang out with this person who is a dub fan? And uh, so basically, everything Mary says when she's not being recorded. What? It's not totally out of left field. <laughs> <I'm so> surprised. <laughs> but you like subs? <laughs> and then we were going to have Tetsuo be this video game fan. We okay. wanted to ca- capture all the different elements of fandom. Yeah, so you've always he- had. Video Video game references and jokes and characters and I mean yep. going back to a talk with him. Yep. So basically, we were going to start off with specializing. So yeah, okay. Tetsuo, who is going to be the video game expert, who uh, we were going to have him basically be, I, I think, brainwashed. Uh, so he was going to be hooked up to the power or this uh, power glove and go crazy, but we couldn't figure out exactly how to make it work. Right, because you've got this footage and you kind yeah. of have to write around it, I guess, to some degree. Yeah, and Tetsuo in the the film, if, if anyone hasn't seen Akira, at one point his one arm gets cut off and it's replaced with metal. So we're looking at that saying, okay, what's the Japanese equivalent in culture? Oh, he's got a Nintendo Power Glove. Perfect. Yeah, but then he starts roaming around doing stuff like blowing up tanks and craziness with it. (laughs) So then we decided, ah, it's some sort of experimental weapon or it's some sort of crazy thing. And we didn't want him really to be the villain. Mm -hmm. So we thought it will drive him crazy. So it's not that... He was evil or twisted because then the entire thing leading up to it, it was just manipulative so that he could steal this. Right. Right. You know, and all that. We were like, ah, that's dark. We don't want to go there. So we ended up saying that he was they was going to drive him crazy. And that's not that much of a jump to what actually happens. But that's an area I don't want to I don't want to spoil. Sure. Sure. And I remember that a lot of the early stuff that you guys were working on was video game related, um, something having to do with cars and items and stuff. I remember that was some of the earliest stuff uh, we saw. So did it almost evolve backwards from that point? Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, I definitely wanted Tetsuo being the video game expert to really kick Kanada's ass and everything. Just make him kind of look like a fool. That was really... Uh, That's funny. It, it started with this dub-sub anime conversation, went over to video games, came back to Dragon Ball fandom, and evolved into the rest of the story back to where you started sort of yes. yes which is <laughs> and and to answer the question that you said before that is exactly how we write this is very typical okay because okay. you start well it's it's the same thing if you've ever sat down with friends and had a brainstorming session where one idea leads to another leads to another leads to another right an idea may sound great but as you sit down and start saying okay let's write script around it so the idea that well it's a power glove and he takes it over and now he can do the all these crazy things right and, and 20 hours later you're going like like, oh, that's crap, not... it's a Dragon Ball parody now. How do we power glove? Yeah, exactly. So we had the idea uh, very, very, very early on. I don't want to say it was it was like the original idea, but very, very early on, we had the idea that we want 
a film that's going to start very, very realistic. Okay. So pretty much everything up to a certain moment could have happened. There's nothing fantastic. It's actually very, very difficult to write that because your footage is constantly trying to drag you into yeah, the, into yeah. the fantasy, right? So we want to have the idea that the first half or two thirds of the film could happen. And it's all about, well, it ended up being about the fandom and, and the guys complaining about stuff and wanting their anime uncut and all right. of that sort of thing. And then it turns into the fantastic. And uh, some of where I got my inspiration for that from was the fan parody Fisting the North Star. It, it's actually one of my favorites and is a lot better than it sounds. But the <laughs> ending of that is just so completely different than the beginning. It's so crazy. It's so out there. I really want to do a similar type of thing. Now let's have a story moving on, moving on. And then the ending is just like, what the hell just happened? But it has to make sense. And that's something I know that we did a, um, I don't know, what would you call it? The equivalent of proofreading with a fan parody. A screening? No, a focus group? A focus group uh, screening. I, I we came over. I called it a test screening, but... I did have some trouble in the middle section, and when we rewatched it just a couple days ago, I did feel that things were making a lot more sense. And good, I was, good, I was good. following the story. Just a couple things in there. But I can see how... Over the course of a year, what made sense at the beginning and you wrote and you did some initial edits and then you almost edit your way back to that middle point. You go, oh, my God. Well, now in context, what do I do here? Yeah, it's 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 a mosaic and it's sometimes you get to the point where, you know, those early ideas like the stuff that I recorded a year ago, that actor isn't available anymore. But the story doesn't make any sense. We really need to change it. I mean, it sucks when that happens. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even if you remember on Steam, because you know, the both of you were in Steam, where I'd have to bring you back and say, well, you know, some of the stuff we said before, we've kind of altered the plot a little bit and we need to redo a couple of lines. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, that's going to happen. But yeah, getting it from a bunch of random ideas to putting it together into a film, there's narrative flow in a film. There's every moment sets up the next moment. There's information has to be revealed very carefully and very strategically so everything makes sense. So you don't realize that things don't work until you sit them all in order and you get someone who hasn't seen the film to watch it and tell you how much it sucks. Let's pull it around to just more creative stuff, but you were talking earlier about that expanded group of friends and fans. Who are some of the people that you were able to pull in to work on Fanboy Soze? Well, I dragged Rich in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, one. (laughs) Well, it's all about community for me. It's it's all about making the world a better place, as, as I said. And one of the things I tried to do when I was, when I was out there and promoting my film was get to know other fan parody creators. I became the head of the Otakon fan produced videos department specifically to build a stage so that other creators would have a place to show stuff. So what I I did is I got to be friends with Andrew Hosking over at Studio Sokoday. Mm-hmm. I did Redath, Nesca Flone, Fanboy Bebop, Bobby Beaver with CDS Productions down in Texas. And then more recently, uh, I've been working with uh, Team Four Star Guys. So I nice. know they, they've been on your show. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, Scott Ferricks is or Kaiser Neko, he is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful to work with. Isn't and I'm he not the saying that's guy in the world. Yeah, I'm not saying that yeah, you know, just just to be nice to him. When I sent him some script over and he recorded stuff, I got it back and I was like, Oh my god, this guy's on the most popular show ever. Uh, you know, his time, he was complaining about it. He doesn't have any time to do anything. Uh, How do I tell him to redo it? But these suck. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, or they're, they're good, but, or this is good, but I want something different. So I email him back as 
we weren't set up for Skype then. I emailed him back and we just, he go, oh, okay, no problem. All right, how are these? <laughs> wow. Right. So the really nice thing is one of the early scenes, which uh, which called the executive scene, all of the people in the executive scene, except um, I have like one line, Matt Pison has a couple of lines. They're all voiced by the team four star guys. Oh, oh that's so really? Cool. <laughs> yeah. And Scott did like four distinct voices. Oh my and God. I am so impressed. I know. Because you know. normally when you hear one person do voices and they're next to each other, you can kind of hear. I can't yep. hear it. I and I know they're him. Guys. And I, I wow. know Scott's voice. I know yeah. Scott. And you can't I, hear it. I'm just You can this. kind of hear his, oh, that's that character. Or, oh, yeah, that's yeah. that character. Like, if you know who to listen for. But uh, I was very impressed. They did a great job. Uh, and then he's emailing back and forth with, with his friends. So, like, three days later, I get mm-hmm. Lana Pator's stuff. I'm very excited to say that our Vegeta is their Vegeta. Oh, that's so pretty nice. cool. <laughs> very that cool, totally very cool. sells those scenes. Yep. So it that does. was really good. But, I mean, I met met people from a couple of other groups. There's, uh, well, Aqualine Studios is, um, I, I knew them yeah, before they they're, they're they're local, so mm-hmm. that's uh, uh, Peter. I think Peter is and Katie inadvertently actually been on this show once before. How do you from, inadvertently get from on the show? Some convention. I think we were recording oh, after yes. in a room. One liner in the background. Yeah, or something. yeah. That's yep. funny. So 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 I met him. Uh, I know the Sailor Moon to Bridge people now. Uh, Nasaki Nai, who did bad Scottish dubbing and fisting the North Star. They didn't end up being in the production, but they helped a lot with it. Some technical nice. advice. And Rich had this idea early on that I thought was wonderful. He said, well, Akira's got all those crazy signs, which it actually doesn't, but you think it does. <laughs> you know, kind of... Um well, we've talked about that when music videos, if you go back and look at the footage, we've... You're like, talk- you're totally convinced that there's a scene that exists yep. in a show, and you You're convinced back, no. there's animation. It's not. <laughs> there's not. You know, remember the scene where Kenshin and Ranma are fighting? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that scene. Yeah, the, I, the, there was this uh, parade scene in Akira, and there's uh, some billboards and stuff yeah, flashing. Yeah. And of at course, the time, I remember that existing. And at <laughs> the time, I was saying, what if we had Head and Shoulders from Nescaflone on the billboard. And Sky's like, well, that would be a great idea. Let's try to get uh, other fan parody groups to send us posters to try mm. to give it give it more of like a fandom type world. Right. Yeah, we really wanted to dress up Akira and make it look less like a post-apocalyptic shithole and more right. like a fanboy paradise. Yeah, yeah. So it's it set in the future. Their conventions are year-round events, et cetera, et cetera. So we really wanted to have that look there. And I can do do this in in, in two ways. The script and the visuals. Right. So what I was very concerned about is it's just going to look like, oh, he's showing off or he's just doing shout outs and nods and, and stuff like that. And admittedly, mm-hmm. it, it may it may look like that. But what we were trying for was to give ideas that this is fandom. So in one of the buildings, it has a big sign that says Otakon on it. It, it, it says a uh, dealer's room or you know vid- video room 20, right. stuff like that. But I did have that idea very early on. You know, After he said about the head and shoulders ad, I said, well, yeah, that, that's kind of cool stuff from parodies. But hey, we made these fake movie posters for Otakudum and Steam. Maybe we could use those. And then it was very short after that to, hey, let me write out to all the friends that I had. And I said, hey, guys, I'll uh, put an oddie in my movie if you if you give me some some window dressing for it. Nice. So we had the Nasaki Nai guys made a couple of uh, of posters. Bobby Beaver went insane. He made like six posters, like every single one of his parodies. He made a poster for and and, and sent that in. Very cool. So that was a way for even if people weren't in it to kind of give them a nod, and then we're going to have write ups for them on the DVD. Oh, nice. So, so that'll be pretty people cool. People can learn what they uh, all are. Leet Street Boys. They're they're an otaku band. Uh, mm-hmm. may, may or may not have heard of them. You know, great, great stuff. 
I know Matt, who's the lead singer and the and the frontman for it. He sent us a poster. He sent us some of their music videos. He said, go ahead and use some of our music. So we have a lot of that in the background. So it's just a way for if the film is about building community, well, making the film was about building community as well. So these are all things that I could not possibly have done through Steam or Otakudum because I didn't know anybody. Right, right. But in making those two films, I may have lost a lot of the people, my close friends, and my ability to just run into otaku all the time. But I was able to make more friends from around the country who could then participate in a totally different way. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're established groups who have something. And the Team Four Star guys gave me a bunch of graphics to use during the Dragon Ball commercial. Excellent. Yeah, I noticed a couple that... Uh... People are going to recognize. You like where Ghost Nappa shows up? Yes, of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) You're already hinting at it a little bit there with what what are some of these posters? What are some of these graphics? But what kind of Easter eggs can fans and maybe even Dragon Ball fans in particular expect out of Fanboy Soze? It's about them to a degree. So Mm. what's in there for them? Well, I do try to have the stories be something that you watch over and over again. And when you do, you're rewarded for it. Right, right. So I really try to have a lot of subtlety in there. There's definitely a lot of references in there. But as far as Dragon Ball goes, we play that pretty much straight up. These are people obsessed with something. Mm-hmm. And then they 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 just kind of take it, take it to an extreme level. Now, in watching Akira, we realized that there's a lot of connections to Dragon Ball that I never noticed before we tried making these connections. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. For one thing, all of the soldiers have the letter Z on their on their backs. <laughs> they really? Yes, they do. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um, who was the guy who first uh, first wrote, or sorry, uh, uh, Dragon Ball? Who was the manga artist? Right, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mr. Toriyama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but his first name. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I see. Yeah, stuff stuff like that. Um, we just kept finding all these amazing coincidences. Oh, like that, the capsule jacket? Yeah. Yes. So, And he's wearing a jacket with a pill on the back, but it sure looks like a capsule mm-hmm. to me. And then, of course, you know, when uh, when uh, Kanida goes super Saiyan and his, uh, or sorry, Saiyajin, and his hair goes up when it's all, ye- oh, no, wait, that's a graphic we did. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when that happened? Well, the nice thing now is uh, when you have Photoshop and you have all those computers and stuff, if you don't remember footage, well, <laughs> with a big yep. enough hammer, you can make it happen. Yeah, yep. That would be the uh, banana riding a bicycle moment. Right. Well, I mean, we're Dragon Ball focused, but we all enjoy other shows as well. What other kind of nods are in there to other franchises, other fandoms? Oh, there's a lot. I, I hadn't, re- hadn't really. I'd have to get back to you on that, Rich. Akira. <laughs> I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of Akira, and uh, we do uh, talk a little bit about Akira, the live action movie. So you're using its world, but still referencing it (laughs) as if it was a real thing at the same time? See, Akira doesn't exist in that world because it's the characters, but they're talking about drag. Wait, but they're also talking about it. I don't know. Love it. Love it. <laughs> one of the characters at one point says, I had a really great time playing as Canada at the, at the Otakon LARP. Ah, what? <laughs> okay, I fully realize that our worlds just don't make sense. All I, right, I could tell you 10 different things in Steam that are mutually exclusive. As long as we're on the same page work. here, that logic just wraps back around itself and eats itself at the Be- end. Because the point is, you have the writer versus the director. Rich has heard me say this a thousand times, mm-hmm. right? The writer comes up with this really, really, really cool idea, and it's awesome, it's wonderful, and I need to get the audience to understand it. The director just wants people to have a good time to laugh, to cry, whatever it is that they want. When the two of them argue it out, the director should 
win. That's how you get all these pretentious videos where it's, oh, you just didn't get it Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. That's the writer winning. So I'm sitting here saying, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. A year ago, we came up with this. Now we're saying this. The two of them are mutually exclusive. You know, we mentioned a passkey and then we mentioned a passcode. And then there really isn't any reason for them to have either because they just say that they're actors and they get let in anyway. So the plot doesn't actually make any sense. Then the director's saying, shut up, it's funny. All right, then. <laughs> and that's kind of what that's kind of where we go with it. What would you guys toss out there for fans in general? Sure. But Dragon Ball fans, because everyone here, I mean, obviously myself, obviously Mary, Rich, you're a Dragon Ball fan. Scott, you are as well. I mean, you may not have dived in the same way that the rest of us have here, but you enjoy the show to a great degree. You've had nothing but wonderful things to say about it over the years. What would you toss out there to Dragon Ball fans about this project? What what do you hope they get out of it? And learn from it, too, because it's kind of an educational film. Yeah. <laughs> if people don't know about the aspects. All right, don't watch it. <laughs> Thank you, and we're done. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's about fandom. It's about being a fan. And it's wait, wait, wait. About D-O-M that. or D-U-M-B? Good question. Or both. I don't know. All you right. know, fandom often acts fan dumb, but I still love them. Agreed. I I do think that if somebody watches this film and they come away with, yeah, I do all that dumb stuff too, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. So that's really why I want people to watch. I want them to laugh. I want them to be entertained, but I definitely want them to to come away with, with something nice about it. I've gone to too many conventions and seen people bitching and arguing back and forth and cosplayers suck. Oh, AMV people suck. Oh, this sucks. Oh, that's, you know what? Conventions are amazing things. Thousands of people get together to celebrate something that the rest of the world thinks we're insane about. That is wonderful and beautiful and speaks volumes to free speech. It's not just conventions. I mean, that's especially over, what, 12, 15 years with the Internet as well. We have these communities. And even when there are divisions, at the end of the day, we're all talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're all having fun. You're listening to people talk in a room about one franchise. Lots of you are doing that. That blows my mind each and every week. Absolutely. I think the world is a great place. We just need to kind of shut up smell the roses and realize that that is the case. Kick back for a while. Kick back. Don't take it too seriously. And it took it took me a, a year and a half of hard work to say the message, yeah, we're not that bad. We shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. So clearly I right. take that very seriously. Very, very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Ball the fandom, serious business, Scott. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is not the last time that I'm using it. I just hit a Dragon Ball milestone very recently for me. Oh, yeah? Very excited. I have been getting the uh, the Dragon Boxes, of course, Money uh-huh. Where Your Mouth Is. And I believe I saw my first episode that I've never seen before. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> they told you before, I got up through uh, Cell, where he first creates the arena for the Cell games. And okay. that's about as far as I got. Gotcha. And uh, the last episode on that box set, I hadn't seen before. Very, very nice. It was very exciting. (laughs) I have seen some of the Boo arc, so. And of course, I've seen Great Saiyaman, which is the best after Garlic Jr. (laughs) Saga (laughs) in the show. 
I respectfully disagree with all of your opinions. However, <laughs> I, I agree. I will never. <laughs> I love great Fair Simon. But Rich, how about you? What do you want um, from your perspective, the Dragon Ball fans? What do you want them to get out of this parody? Be able to laugh at yourself. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing. And, like, and I hope that comes across with what we do, too, is at the end of the day, we're having a good time. And even if we're reviewing a product, say the Orange Bricks, there's something good that eventually comes out of that. And I got that from this parody. Uh, well, I hope so. Because to a degree, not that this was your fault, not that you put us up to it. Right. Um, but because I was listening to Daisen Shui X, because I was going to the website, because I was aware of a lot of this information, uh, it, it changed where our story was going. And I think in a, in a lot better ways. So while you may take a look at what you do and say, well, I realize that uh, maybe this person bought a box set or maybe this person did this or maybe this person did this because of what I did. You never know the extent of the influence that you have ar- around you. Yeah. And yeah. now if if I didn't know you and I did live really near you and we still made this film you might have had no idea that just that your show this show being out there really affected things likewise i'm hoping that some of the stuff that we did affect other people hopefully in positive ways oh it's so sweet i told you i'm a hippie i warn you (laughs) (laughs) and i'm still single (laughs) <laughs> What's the first uh, con for the stop on the tour? Do you have one lined up yet? Well, the the first, the next con that's going to be showing it that I that I know of is Anime Central. I won't be able to be there, unfortunately, gotcha. due to the job and, mm-hmm. and how far out it is. Right after that, we have Anime Next, which I'm very pleased to announce. We are guests there. Cool, and we're, cool. We're going to be doing a couple of panels, and hopefully we'll have a 10th anniversary party, because this is Otakudum and Dande Fan Films then is exactly 10 years old, as is Anime Next. Oh my <laughs> god, that works. So they, they want to combine that into a big uh, 10th anniversary party, which would be wonderful. Very nice. Of course, Otakon in July. I'm the head of that department, so I'm <laughs> fairly certain I can get it shown. Otakuthon, it, which is in Montreal. Montreal, Canada, the following month in August. We're looking at Anime USA. We're looking at a couple of those after that, but that's the schedule that I've got so far. Very cool. Well, guys, we've been talking for a while about this parody. We want people to go see it. Uh, You've given us some of the conventions that are coming up that they can see it. Big question is always, where's the torrent going to (laughs) be? Well, I'm working on being a little more technical. I told you before, I am the artist. I'm not really the tech guy. Okay. What we want to do is have a website. Okay. Which we've never done before. We were working on a Steam website for a while. I'm not sure what happened with that. The woman who was working on that just kind of died. But um, what, what we'd like to do is have a website for it. What I've had many people say is set up a Nande Found Films YouTube channel and put the films up there in 10 minute pieces. Not what I want to do. I'd rather see them as you know, one complete film rather than uh, watch it in five minute pieces. Yeah, yeah. But I realize that's what a lot of people want now. So we may do that. Okay. I have to be very, very, very careful because whatever I put my name on, FINRA and the SEC are looking at everything I do. Mm-hmm. So I do have to be very careful of that. But if I have my way, it will get out there free and and easily as much as possible. We can't host it on a website, but I am working on getting the DVDs done. Right now I have screener copies that can go to conventions, pop the disc in, play the movie, that's it. But I'm working on the DVDs, which will have subtitles, commentaries, et cetera, et cetera, on it. You know, a lot more information, stuff you may have 
missed. And I'm hoping to get that out in well, within the next couple months. Okay, so say you're from a convention, you're interested in showing it, how can they ask? Well, I would say get a hold of me directly or email you and you can you can send yeah, it sure. to me. Definitely. Right? That would be contest at no wait, no. Um, <laughs> no, no, the other way. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> and then did it again. Um, well, my email address, I just put this in the show notes, and it's scott.a.melzer at gmail.com. And feel free to get in touch with me if you're a convention or a club or anything, and I will find a way to get a copy to you. Awesome. Of any of the films we have, because I do have sure, DVDs sure. of the other two. Rich, how about you? You out there doing anything? You doing uh, additional promotion, chatting with fans? What are you up to? Really, not much. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're coming to Anime Next. I am going to an- Anime Next, and I uh, plan to go to Otakon. And we know uh, it's going to be playing there. Yes. So you can meet the writers after watching it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We would do want to have that 10th anniversary party. We got to figure out a way to do that. That would be pretty sweet. What I'd really want to do is uh, do a showing of Fanboy Soze and do a Q&A afterwards. That would, I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Aren't we just doing that at <laughs> Anime Next? Are we? Oh, okay. yeah. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> then go see Fanboy Soze and uh, wait afterwards and you'll see a Q&A. Very cool. Right. Very cool. We won't be able to do that at Otakon because it's in the middle of a big block. So it'll be shown in the middle of that with a lot of other fan parodies. Gotcha. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you coming over the, what was it, like two minutes to get over to our place? It was like three, three and a half. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for all your guests who you know, fly in from the other <laughs> side of the country. <laughs> yeah. <you know>, like, <laughs> Yeah, did they at least like the paint job in the place? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> well, anyway, it was great to have you here. Uh, it's going to be at conventions. We'll definitely continue to pass word along to all of our uh, readers and listeners about when they can check it out. And if, if anybody out there not only can show fan parodies, but if anybody wants to make them, please contact me. I'm very happy to either show them at Otakon. I'm very happy to help you out with technical stuff. I can introduce you to other parody creators out there. I want to build a community, and if anybody wants to contact me and chat about it or, or stuff, you know, if I can help you, hey, world's a better place, and that's my primary goal. All right. Scott Rich, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. So here we are heading to the end of April. Not a whole lot coming out. Anything that was coming out was either delayed or canceled outright. And now there's just a couple things. First one on April 26th, it is a Tuesday. Most people who ordered it from Right Stuff and such already have it. Dragon Box Z Volume 5 It is the Dragon Box series from Funimation. TV episodes 169 through it's either 209 or 210, somewhere in there. MSR fee is $59.98. You're looking at about $35, $36 bucks on Amazon. Amazon, right stuff, etc. Great price for the content here. This is the Super Saiyan 2 Gohan stuff as well. So I know a lot of people finally getting their Unme no He in uh, an American Dragon Box. Very psyched for that. Heath, one other thing, it's in Germany. All right, so April 29th, which is a Friday, Germany will be getting Dragon Ball Z DVD Box 9 out of a total of 10 boxes. And that comes to them from publisher Kaze. And it is based on the French video transfer, which is not the Dragon Box, but hey, you get a lot of boxes, so why not? It will contain Dragon Ball Z TV episodes 251 through 276 on five discs at a proper aspect ratio of four to three. And it will set you back 32.45 euro at Amazon Germany. That's it. So Heath, uh, you and I, let's turn it over to what we're going to talk for a good amount of time about, and that's a few emails here. 
Our first email comes to us from Nathan. Nathan says, okay, so I'm flipping through my Vizdai Zenshu number one, and I stopped and looked at the spine art page for the manga volumes. Is it possible that Toriyama was planning ahead by the way he drew the manga's spine art? There are parts where you can separate individual drawings in the overall artwork. For example, Shenlong goes to volume 7. The next breakoff seems to be Bulma's bike at volume 16, then Gohan at 24, Kaio at 32, and then there's a piece that was unused for Goku's feet for a volume 43. You have to wonder why there were two Yajirobe on there as well. Would these have anything to do with the planning of the series? Now Heath, this is coming to us. Lots of great feedback on Toriyama's intended endings. We did a two-part podcast feature here on Daizenshu EX, all based around the great new section that you and Jake put up on Kanzentai. Now, this is on the surface about Toriyama's intended endings and how we planned ahead, but it's actually not really. Yeah, it's actually about the spine art, which is kind of cool because we actually have a whole page dedicated to the spine art on Constantai. You can just go to our manga guide, look it up. You can read about a lot of this stuff, but we're going to cover it here anyway because now we don't have as much time, so I'm going to fly through this really, really (laughs) fast. Okay, so for Nathan, we're just going to go through this little step-by-step. Is it possible that Toriyama planned ahead? Well, we know this for a fact, and we covered it the past two weeks. No, Toriyama does not really plan ahead. Uh, He's a fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants kind of guy. That's just what he does. There are parts where... You can see where it's separated out, like you noted. But that's because he didn't draw the entire thing in one sitting. He did do it in breaks. And if you look really closely, you noted all the volumes 7, 16, 24, 32, and 43, the unused portion. You break it down by numbers. He did seven volumes at a time. Then he did nine. Then he did eight. Then he did eight again. And then 11. So you can see he just basically picked chunks, picked characters that he wanted to draw, and that's what he did. Uh, you can also note that the characters that are on the spines don't exactly line up. For instance, Jinzo Ningen, 16, 17, 18, and Cell all appear after they originally appeared in the manga volumes of those Tonkabon. So you can't really say he was playing ahead, otherwise there'd be Majin Buu and Babidi everywhere. Uh, the other part, which we did cover, you can go read the actual translation in our spine art collection on Constantai. But yes, Yajirobe actually does appear twice, and Toriyama had no idea, because he notes that he doesn't go back and look. They just asked him for a specific set of volumes and said, hey, can you draw us a new section? He drew it. He didn't think he had used Yajirobe. And the only reason he found out is because fans in Japan wrote him letters saying, hey, why does Yajirobe appear twice? And he says, I had no idea. And he actually apologizes to all the fans, you know, in a very traditional Japanese type. Oh, I'm so sorry. I screwed up. I made a mistake. So... Um, as far as planning the series, no, not quite so much. As far as Yajirobe appearing twice, yes, he did. Toriyama apologizes greatly. Now, that I guess that covers the planning ahead, not planning ahead. It seems like he just drew a picture and they applied it to whatever the next batch of upcoming spine art would be. Yeah, it, it wasn't really planned out. And 
like I mentioned, which I think is where you're going, the 43rd yeah, yep. volume that is listed in Daisenshi 1 as unused is actually used. If you look at it, they chopped off the black part at the end. They did use his feet. And that is because Toriyama ended the series abruptly. And what Shueisha had to do basically was cram a bunch of chapters into the last two volumes. So typically each volume up until that point contained roughly 12 chapters per volume. The last two contained 17 each. So they had to make the books thicker to account for these pages. So they actually did split. Well, they combined those last two that you see in Daisenshi 1 together to form the last two spine arts. So you do actually see his feet. So while Daisenshi 1 says they're unused, uh, they actually are used. Interesting that there's, a, I guess you would call it a mistake in the Daisenshi because, yeah, I'm looking at the spine art for 42, and yes, his feet are on there, and it goes right up to the edge of the spine. Right. Well, and that's another thing I'd like to note. Um, I actually just updated this the other day because I didn't notice until a couple weeks ago um, I just happened to be scanning a couple things and I looked at it really close. I was like, hey, Jake, did you notice this? Uh, but you can go look at the Spine Art Collection. It's actually up there now because I scanned it. But when Toriyama came up with Spine Art for the Kanzenban, he actually drew in Tenshin Han and Chao Tzu. But you can't see them because they don't appear on the Kanzenban Spine Art because it cuts off at the end of Vegeta. And if you look closely, you can actually see Tenshin Han's shoulder. Ah. But there was a sticker that was printed in. Uh, one of the super exciting guides that we've actually had for a while, but I never looked. And they printed the whole thing as a sticker. So you can see, again, Toriyama went way past what they thought they were going to do. And so they chopped it off so they don't actually appear, but they were there originally. Interesting. So I think that gives more credence to the, he's just drawing a series of pictures. If it gets used, great. If it doesn't get used, well, that's great too. Right. All right. So I hope that answers your question, Nathan. We're going to turn it over to another email. I love this. So much great feedback on Toriyama's intended endings. I guess before we get to Takaru's email here, Heath, you mentioned on Twitter that this is doing some great traffic for you. It is. Uh, our index page, our news page, is our number one visited section of the site. Uh, just, I believe it was two weeks ago, the intended Endings Guide jumped up to it's now the second most visited section of the site that we have. So it's really nice to see that people like the content that we're doing. They're visiting it, they're reading it, and hopefully they're absorbing it and putting it out there. That's what we love so much. I mean, that's why I created, you know, I transformed into Daisenshu EX so long ago. It was like 2000, I don't even remember. And I know it's why you created Constantai. It was, let's get this information together. Let's put it out there in a fun and authoritative way and spread it to as many people as we can. And that's really what the subject of this next email here is. He if you can take Takeru's email from South Africa. Yeah, we have another international one, which is always nice to get. And he says, because, you know, I always say everybody's a guy. Hey, guys, I just want to thank everyone's contribution in the podcast number 253 and 254. These past two podcasts have been extremely informative for me as a South African who originally, along with everyone else in my country, gets the more corroded end of the Dragon Ball franchise and information. I say this because our country is a third world country and not everyone has the internet. For the record, our internet in all its entirety is pretty slow and more expensive than other first world countries. Don't get me wrong. It's not that bad, 
But I've been overseas many times, and I know when to admit our country can be pretty lame from time to time. Thanks to these two specific podcasts, I can now spread more of this information to my friends, and hopefully they can spread it to their friends, which is what we strive for. Thanks to both Constantine Dizenshu X, I have been usually in the proper no, quote unquote, but from time to time, I do go on to Dragon Ball Wikia and other sites, and I come across a rumor or two that I tend to believe. Now, my eyes have been open just a tad more. Vegito EX, can you do something about Dragon Ball Wikia? My country can't take any more of the corroded rumors and whatnot. Also, as a Dragon Ball fan, I'd like to mention I am proud to admit that I adore Cell's second form and the character Dr. Garo a lot. I'd also like to mention many of my friends kind of thought I was really strange for liking this said form. When the first Budokai and the rest PS2 games came around, I'd play as Cell and I'd only set the capsule for his second form. Yes, I lost a many amount of times, and I enjoyed every moment of it. It makes me sad that now, with having internet, people might take jabs at me online, because I might seem to like Cell's second form only because this was Akira Toriyama's favorite Cell form. I've took a liking to Cell's second form since its debut. I was 13 at the time. Heck, I even drew this form on an A3, which is paper size, and colored it in for art class when I was 14. Once again, thank you all for your hard work. Me and everyone else here in South Africa would truly not be in the Dragon Ball No without you guys. Thank you. Now, Heath, I totally forgot to toss it on the outline. I will absolutely put it up in the uh, response thread on Daisenshu EX. The picture here of Cell drawn when someone was 14. Yeah, it's basically a picture drawn when someone was 14. Pretty great. Pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's like how I draw today. Uh, great stuff here. I mean, Takaru's talking exactly about what we were saying. We love spreading this information. We want to do it. It's why we're here. So we're just so glad that people are uh, accepting this information, spreading it out to their friends. That's all we really ask of you guys is that you have a great time with it and you tell your friends. So let's turn it over to what he's talking about here with Second Form Cell. Now, Takeru's got some people backing them up in uh, some of the response threads I've seen that some people like Second Form Cell. I say he's got a stupid flat face and I hate him and I was glad he went away. But you disagree with me. Well, okay, I'll somewhat reiterate and add to what I said last time, because now it's gone, <laughs> which is nice. I like Second Form Cell, but I like that he's only around for a short time. I think it worked out nice how short he was around from the transition from the the bug type that we had to his perfect form. I think it worked well. I think if he would have been around any longer, then I would have to fall into your camp and not like him so much. Now, what we were talking about before was that you like his second form design more than his first form design. Was that it? Yeah, somewhat in a way, just because it's more humanoid. Okay. But I, I do like the bug aspect, which is exactly what Toriyama was going for yeah, yeah. with Cell to begin with. And we've always talked about this. I mean, you get that design from Toriyama. You bring Wakamoto into the mix with the noises. I mean, he takes Cell to an entirely new level, which is, I think... Oh, yeah. Why I like first form Cell more than second form. If I had read the manga first, maybe I would have a different opinion on that. And that's not something we talked about last time. So maybe I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it a little more. Yeah, because I think uh, anyone that hasn't really watched the Japanese version of it, uh, it's really interesting to note how Wakamoto changes his performance depending on what form he is in. Uh, he changes the way he speaks 
in Japanese, and he gets rid of all of his grunty bug noises. He really talks more like a person would. Yeah, everything's real drawn out at first, and by the time you get up to his Kanzentai form, he's speaking very eloquently. And He's like the most proficient speaker ever, yes, and you're yes. like, you're a bug. What are you doing? He's not Frieza-level, like he's not dancing around his words or anything. He's very to the point of what he's saying, but it's... It's very clear, it's very well enunciated, and it's got this slightly haughty bit to it as well. So I, yeah. I really adore where Wakamoto took the character off the page. So I guess that's it. We didn't talk about Dr. Garrow last time, though. you have anything you want to toss out there about Dr. Garrow? I, I have to agree with Toriyama's editor where he's like, hey, he's just an old man. What are you doing with him? He can't be the protagonist. You know? I don't know. What, what, what are you going to be doing with this? But at the same time, it's like, dude, I totally know where that guy's coming from. Yeah, but. I go both ways. I mean, he's not what you expect, but... I also kind of like that and see, about But it. that's Toriyama's style, yeah, especially starting yeah. at that point. And you can really see it in the Boo arc. Yep. But the point of, oh my god, these badass artificial humans and Jinzo Ninger are going to show up and they're just going to kill everybody. And oh my god, what's going to happen? We're expecting this really cute girl and guy to show up. And mm-hmm. it's this, this fat white guy with an old man with like, what is going on here? Now, we've had an old villain before, but it was Piccolo right. Daimao who not only did he get his youth, but he was also very alien well, in design too, so... And in a way, it really, really supports the whole Trunks came back. This really screwed up the timeline as far as how far can I get from having these two young kids? I can have this old fuddy-duddy guy show up and then this really fat guy. That's true. And that's something that I've talked about before as well. I mean, as much editorial interference as was going on here, I think for the most part, he wrote his way out of it pretty well that it feels natural enough. And you've only got a couple remnants of what was there before, like Trunks talking about 19 and 20. And then I think Jake phrased it wonderful last time on the show. The next time we see Trunks, he's like, what are you talking about 19 and 20? So, I mean, a little bit inconsistency there, but overall, I think Toriyama pulled it off pretty well. I have to agree. I I think he did a good job, which he usually does in most of those instances, but he has said before, God, I wish I had never done these old timelines. He started to confuse himself. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're not done talking about... Toriyama's intended endings. You folks loved it. I'm so glad. I mean, it's obvious you loved it. Here is some information from Brazil. Vinicius, I think it is, 23 from Brazil says, I started listening to Daizenshu EX the podcast in episode 253. Man, I mean, we've covered so much great content in the last two episodes. You said it. I agree with you. Great time to pick up the show. I was listening to both 253 and 254, and it is very interesting listening to the rumors and possible outcomes that the series could have been. But Toriyama's number one design is second form cell that's really really weird i don't know if you guys have much information on the series here in brazil but i should give you more info about the products that were launched in my country and vinicius goes into great detail and i think what i'll do is i'll i'll post it up in the response thread on our forum on daizen i know we've covered a little bit of this in the past particularly with the launch of kai down there in brazil over the last couple months now i don't have an exact episode in front of me but i know mark and i we're talking about it a little bit. It is in there if you dig back and listen a little bit, but I'll post it up there so you guys can read all about it. Vinicius goes on though. 
After all that, I have a question. I don't know Japanese yet, but I'm trying to learn it. What's the best way to buy the Daisenshu? I have some Saint Seiya Kanzenban that I used to buy from B Nippon, but it closed. I used Nippon service to buy the Yu Yu Hakusho Kanzenban from Yahoo Auctions and was thinking about getting the Daisenshu this way, but if you guys have another option, please tell me. I know the Daisenshu number one was translated into English, that's the complete illustrations, and I intend to get it in the near future. That's it. The email got huge and I didn't even notice. Sorry for the English mistakes. I don't write in English every day and my grammar memories are fading away. And I think it is worth repeating that the grasp of the English language and which order words go in and maybe not the punctuation, capitalization and all that, above and beyond the vast majority of emails we get from people who live in North America and speak English as their primary language very very true and it's you know english has become such a, a world language that it is really nice that we can interact with a lot of people in other countries and have these conversations whereas you know way back when this wasn't really possible, but we also didn't have the internet, so then it really wasn't possible. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Keith, before we answer the first question, there's actually a, like a, a answer 1A to throw in before we get to 1B, which is the real answer. And that's, yeah, the Daisenshu exists, but particularly since 2002 with the revival of the franchise in Japan, there have been so many more guidebooks. You've got Landmark, you've got Forever, you've got the super exciting guides, you've got the Extreme Battle Collection books. There have been so many more that a lot of the information has been repeated, so if you can't get a Daisenshu, maybe you can settle for some of the other ones, too. Hopefully, that's an option, but we have seen a lot of online retailers not carrying so much of the new stuff anymore so you might want to pounce on some of that if you can yeah i mean auctions are probably going to be the best and most effective way for you to get a lot of this stuff i ran a quick search on cd japan and books are new to them so they're not keeping a whole lot of stock but even the most recent ones the extreme battle collection books the only one they have in stock anymore is round two and that's not even a year old at this point so round one they don't have anymore. So if you want to get some of these guidebooks, man, I'm sorry, but eBay and the like, they're going to be your best bet. And is it Selga? Is it Selega? Selga? I don't remember. Yeah, it's uh, Selga, Okay, which is, you know, Ga from Doga. So they basically, they originally would, you could go on and buy sell art from other fans, but they've expanded. Now you can go to CELGA.com and it's just a, a bidding service basically, but they also will go on to retailer sites like Amazon and uh, I don't know, Shueisha's website and you can buy stuff off of there too. Okay. Uh, you just have to pay a small fee for how much the item is, how much it weighs. They'll buy it for you get it shipped in Japan, and then they'll send it to you wherever you are in the world. Now, that's going to add quite a bit to the price, where if you can order in English or your own language from some of these other sites like Amazon Japan, you're probably best off just doing it through there. But, I mean, Amazon Japan's shipping prices are pretty exorbitant. Lately, I would say within the last year, they've shot it's way up. It's crazy. I was looking at just getting, I think, a, a Toriyama one-shot, and maybe it was a couple months ago, I was looking at throwing Psycho Jump number one in there before we picked it up, and it was going to cost me 40 bucks to order 20 bucks worth of books so it's yeah it's a little crazy it, that is one thing if i will suggest to anyone out there if you're going to buy something from japan and have it shipped to you buy more 
than what the shipping cost is. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's just totally not worth it. Yeah. If you can get some stuff on eBay or one of the other auction sites that isn't going to go through a proxy, it's going to cost you a lot less. And unfortunately, that probably is the way for you to go these days. I don't say it to jab at you, but Heath, you and I are lucky that over the last decade plus, we were lucky enough to pick these things up along the way as we were getting heavily into the franchise. And I don't know what I would be doing today had I not already purchased everything thing along the way right and for all you people who live on the east coast you suck because you have a lot more access than someone like me in the middle <laughs> of the u.s right well what you can do heath is every time you want a book you can pay to fly out here and then oh, pay to take I can the do train that? into new york and hopefully not and get almost shot get killed. along the way uh, the travel there and you know we'll we'll pick something up at kino it works hey it works for me I'm down. I think that's going to wrap up our emails this week. Great stuff from all over the world. People love the Toriyama's intended endings. I wish there was more to cover about that stuff, but there isn't. Like I was joking with Jake. Well, if we can't do manga stuff, we can do. All right. What did he do for the TV version? Maybe that's some more content. We can rip off of you guys and pretend that we hey, can collaborate on it. you want to use ours. Very nice. All right, folks, if you have questions, comments, all that good stuff, we would love to try to address it. Send your questions podcast at dizex.com. P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X. Com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at D-A-I-Z-E-X. And Heath, I know you're there. Konzentai underscore C-O-M. And then we've got a Facebook page, facebook.com slash DiesEX. We're closing in on a thousand, I think, over on the Facebook page. I know people love it over there. Funny comments pretty much every couple days. And we put up our news updates and stuff. Great places for you to and hang And I out. just sit around and like everything. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very easy. You can feel as if you're participating. I, I I feel a need to like some of the stuff because Jake's not on Facebook. Right. So I like it for him. And it's your content proxied through us. So you may as well. Exactly. Like it. All right, Heath, that is officially going to bring us to a close. We got further than we did before. I'm still recording. Are you? I am. Because I will probably blow a gasket at this point and just stop the podcast forever. Even if it's not my fault, I will just I'm done. Yeah, I say we hang it up. Now that I have all this new equipment, we should just quit. Absolutely. We're done. I don't know what the hell I'd use it for. But all right, toss it out there. Constantine, where's all this great stuff? All right, Constantine, you can find all sorts of amazing things that Jake and I do because we are awake 24-7. We never sleep. All we do is Dragon Ball stuff. I don't have a day job, but yes, I do have a day job. So we don't do this 24-7. Thank God. Uh, but you can find us at K-A-N-Z-E-N-T-A-I.com. And yes, there is a first N in there. Uh, if you try to leave that out, in Google, apparently you will end up at our website because all of our referrals, I think like 30% are all without the first N. <laughs> so all of you out there without the first N, if you would throw it in there, you could bump that up a little. You know, I, I believe at least one of our emails spelled it wrong too, so. I did. I, I just blow past it. All right. Awesome. So you guys are over there at Constantine. You can follow myself and Julian at DaizenShuEx, www.daizex.com. Hopefully we'll have that figure review coming your way there's some other little bits of updated content here and there i've been trying to keep the dvd guide up to date with all the delays we even have in here in north america with the dragon box and kai and all that stuff so we've got that and i know you were doing some just little things here and there cleaning things up and i am i really should document it sometime like i know like i was saying earlier uh for the uh 
Oh, was it the the spine art collection that we have on the site? I threw on that Konzenbon tidbit yep. at the end, yeah. and I just have little things scattered throughout the site, Easter eggs like that that are brand new, and it's almost like uh, this isn't worth. I know, a post. I know, because I can't even write a paragraph about exactly. it. Exactly, it's I changed a word here, or wrote an extra thing. Yay! So maybe at some point I'll write up a big article, but I know I'm working on three or four different sections that. Should be done in within a year, I hope. <laughs> within a year. Hopefully a lot more than that within a year. Yeah. No, but we have one, and I'll throw it out there. Uh, Turtle Mark Stone actually came up with this idea, and I ah, loved it. yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it was on your forums, and I said, challenge accepted. I will do this. And I have everything scanned, all the screenshots, and I've actually started all the writing. I think I have maybe 10 more paragraphs to write, and that thing's going up. So hopefully people can look forward to that soon. If you're accepting that challenge, I feel as if I have to step up to the plate too. I've been working on a little, I guess I'm going to toss it in our tidbit section because I have no other appropriate place to put it. It's something I've been working on probably off and on for five or six years. It won't take all that much effort, but it's opening up Photoshop and cleaning up a couple things. If you want to do a little guesswork, I did toss out there on Twitter the other day that I just purchased one additional thing to flesh out a collection. It's related to that. So I'm hoping within the next year, because it's been half a dozen by now, I can finish this one page. So, sir, you Hopefully. have content coming. I have content coming. It's on, bitches. Sweet. I, I like it when we both have content. Yes. It, yes. it, it makes everything relevant again. And if people want to try to figure out what I'm doing, you can just search all of the stuff in the general <laughs> discussion section. Because that's where it was. It's there. I mean, anything you ever want to know, we have it documented there. So I shouldn't say this, but uh, half the sections that we work on are already up on the Dizentu X forums. Oh, I know. And <laughs> so if you ever want to see what we're working on, just go pick what one of those. You shouldn't and we're say it. Bitches, I got it first. I didn't do that's any work on whatever. it, but it appears on my forum. So you're our testing ground. I know. I know. I'm, I'm glad like I can be that. But our, our new section will be up in the uh, mini Dragon Ball guides. So look for it there. Very nice. Because it'll probably be there first and I'll forget to update about it for a day or two. <laughs> it'll be there. Exactly. All right. We're going to wrap this up. This was episode, geez, I don't even know. 255. Yeah, we're, we're done here. We'll see you next week with 256. I'm sorry we couldn't get a manga review done for this week. You guys joke about it. Ha ha, they're never going to finish the manga review. We will and maybe it'll take us an extra year, but we're getting 2048. There. That's right. That's right. So, uh, Heath, thank you for joining us this time on the show. Well, thank you for having me, sir. It is always a pleasure to be on, and hopefully I can be on more often with some nice audio quality. Oh, I am so excited for that. So, for you and Jake over at Constantai, my name is Mike Vegito EX. You can find myself and Julian over at DaiZenChuDX www.daizex.com We will hit you back next week on the audio internet for 256. It'll be something. We'll have a great time. Thanks for listening to DaiZenChuDX the podcast this week. We can't wait to talk more into your ears and you can't do a goddamn thing about it because you can't find that button in time to turn us off. We'll see you next week. Heath? What? Mike? <laughs> Yeah.
Guess what I didn't do? You didn't hit record. Nope. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Callgraph's been recording. So, what you doing, Mike? Man, I have all this new fancy equipment, and I hit the R button on my keyboard. What do you want to do? <laughs> you just noticed that? Yep. Did, oh, did you not have Audacity up? No, I've got Audacity open, and I've got the project file saved, and it's it's just sitting there. All right, well, it's your call. Because um, it's only, it's only 8.15 here, or 8.18. Man. It's funny because I can see you on the webcam thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking very, very long and hard here. You're thinking, do I just use the call graph audio? I and am. And, sound and I, really, really amazing. And I know that that's not what I should do. All right. I am closing call graph.